Welcome to the Ag Advocate Podcast, advocating for agriculturalists everywhere because, after all, we all need to eat. Doesn't matter who you voted for, doesn't matter what kind of beer you do or don't drink, in the next few days, in the next week or so, you're going to need to eat something. That is science. My name is Jason Dias, and I am a passionate supporter of agriculture because, after all, I don't make the food I eat. I have to go buy it. And so today on our first episode, we're going to be talking to one of the most important aspects in agriculture, the future of this industry, finding young people that are willing to do it with all the difficulty and all the regulations and all the challenges. And we're talking to an incredibly bright young lady today. She's about to be a senior at Marion High School, deep in the heart of Texas. This is a great interview. It speaks for itself. And so we're going to get right to it. Hey, you've heard it referred to as deep in the heart of Texas. It doesn't get any deeper than St. Hedwig, Texas. We're going out there to visit with a young lady. Down in the city, they call it street cred. Out in the country, this young lady has got the barn bling and the skills to pay the bills. Her name is Brooke Reinecker. Hey, welcome to the show. Hello, Mr. Diaz. Good to talk to you. It is so good to have you. Looking forward to talking to you. Hey, I want to turn back the time machine a little bit, and I want you to tell us about that day. You were out in Houston, I believe, and COVID-19 became a very real thing to you. This is a unique experience that only your generation of people in the FFA and young people involved in agriculture have tell us about it. Sure it is. So, Back in, I guess it was 2020, when everyone knows COVID was around, I was actually on the Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo Grounds, and I do several different competitions, including livestock judging and so many others, but I was here competing for the poultry judging contest, and we were sitting in the stands waiting for the results anxiously in the stands, and it just happened to be Everyone was on their phone watching the live stream, and we were like, what's going on? You know, we heard of this COVID thing, but no way it was going to shut down the whole show. We were like, no way it was going to happen. Well, sure enough, everyone was watching the live stream of the mayor, and he was talking about COVID and the effects it was going to possibly have on the show of 2020. So we were in the stands, and, of course, our moms pulled them up on him up on their phones, too, And the news he had was quite devastating, and it was that there was not going to be a Houston Livestock show in the year of 2020. So as we're sitting there waiting for results, we got the news that those people who were waiting in the heifer lines, which I had a friend who was actually in the line, those that had unloaded, well, they had to get back in line to load up their tack and leave and head home from wherever they came from across the state of Texas. So... That was pretty devastating, but it was a very unique experience that wasn't exactly a positive, but just no. very interesting to see how that took a toll on quite the industry itself, but specifically showing livestock in that regard. And people that don't know, the Houston Livestock and Rodeo Show in the agricultural community here in Texas is like shutting down the Super Bowl. I mean, it is a big, big 
deal. And I was fascinated by that. Yeah, I was fascinated by the story when you told me because, again, I think it is the most unique and, you know, all-encompassing, impacting event that happened to agriculture probably since the Dust Bowl of the early 20th century. And for you to be at the middle of it, I I thought it was, yes, like you said, it was not a fun thing to witness, but it certainly was a unique historical thing that you bore witness to. Now, you're out in St. Hedwig. Your family's got a really great operation out there, all kinds of livestock. You've been on the farm and in the barn all your life. And so I wanted to ask you, how has this changed your perspective about the agricultural industry and compelled you to take such an interest in advocating for the agricultural industry? You know, I've, like I've mentioned in the podcast before, I've I've grown up in this setting. So I kind of just naturally was put into the ag industry and without a doubt, a passion was sparked there. And I knew that I was going to want to pursue a career since I was younger in the industry itself. I think that I realized that my family, of course, is blessed enough to say that they're a part of an industry that feeds us, clothes us, and puts the roof over our head. And to see all of the effort and the time and the money that's been spent, I think that it just made me realize that it's my turn to give back to the industry that has shaped me, and that's kind of where my passion sparked. So I have taken on several different leadership positions in different programs that I'm lucky to be a part of where I am able to increase my value of being an active agriculturalist in our home and community and to eventually take that information through the state and then on a national level as well. So I think that's all where it started is where I realized everything that farmers and ranchers do to produce a wholesome product of food and fiber on this population's table, it's worth it's an industry worth fighting for, and that's what, when I truly realized that I wanted to stay in this category and pursue my dreams here. So I'm happy that I get to be a part of all of the things that I do, and I wouldn't trade it for the world. Well, it's like I've mentioned, we've, we've been doing the co-op show that we first had you on for a year now, but I've probably said this at least 14,000 times on the air that for me, growing up in the suburbs, somebody who got his food from the grocery store, not growing it myself, my wake-up moment, if you will, was the winter storm of 2021 here in Texas, a a once-in-a-generation winter storm that we had here in Texas. And I will never forget going to Walmart and HEB and the grocery stores. And, Brooke, there was no food. I mean, all the meat, all the chicken, all the poultry, everything was just gone. And it was the second day of the storm. And it occurred to me that we were literally two or three days away from running out of food. And it really compelled me to get involved and to take an interest in this industry. Just this summer of 2023, the Food and Drug Administration announced new regulations on antibiotics, antibiotics for livestock. Most experts, including the Agricultural Commissioner of Texas, who I interviewed last week, think it will actually do more harm than good. I wanted to ask you, there's no right or wrong answer, it's just your opinion, is it fair to say many of the people making up the rules for farmers and ranchers, making up the regulations, have never done farming and ranching before? Yes, sir, and like you said, that everyone has their own opinions, and that's fine, but 
I do think that it is fair to say that a lot of the people who make up the rules and regulations in any industry are people who are sitting behind the desk a lot of the day. So I, I do think it's fair that you say that, and it does become a challenge for us as agriculturalists to get around problems like that because, of course, like you mentioned, my family has a background of raising swine and cattle, and like my cousin Morgan, she had told me that before they put this law on, we used over-the-counter drugs every day, you know? Right. And it's vital to keep your livestock healthy and, I mean, just a sustainable operation where you know that they're healthy and they're producing a good product. But it's just crazy to think that these people who are putting these the laws and regulations, they may not see what's truly going on in the inside. And I'm sure that they well, are experts who realize this, and I know there's a reason behind it, but it is going to be another challenge that we're going to have to face. But just like any, just like the Great Depression or the Dust Bowl, Dust Bowl we all, you know, overcame that. So we will do the same here. It's a little hiccup that some may face, but there's no question that we're going to still continue to thrive. Yep, and, you know, I want to be very clear. It's not a law. It's a regulation because people vote for lawmakers that pass laws. These are regulations that are just handed down. And as I mentioned to you in the pre-call, people really don't understand the scope of ranching. They don't understand the scope of the land, that there are people ranching in places that are an hour, two, three hours from a major urban center. And a lot of people don't know this. I didn't know this till we did the show with the co-op last month that baby cows, calves are born without an immune system. And so you have to do a lot of stuff to maintain the health of the herd. And as I pointed out with the agricultural commissioner, there's really no incentive for you and your family out in St. Head Week to do a bad job. This is your livestock. This is your livelihood. There's no reason for you to do it badly. And I think that's what people sometimes don't understand. Another opinion question and there are a lot of people, it's not, a, it's not a majority of people, I don't think, but it is a vocal minority of people really don't think we should be farming animals, with that animal husbandry should not be part of the American or the international experience. And I wonder sometimes they get in the ears of these regulators and they can't just say stop ranching, but they can certainly make it more complicated with regulations like this. And I know those of you out on the farm and on the ranch, you have always done it with a great deal of dignity and pride. You just find a way to continue to knock out great products, don't you? Yes, sir, that's for sure. And I think what you're saying, like people don't necessarily always realize that we are very careful and precise on everything we do because it's not just one thing that we're trying to achieve, but it's a lifestyle in itself. So it's important that we succeed as a family or as an operation. It's not just this one product that we're relying on to hurry up and be efficient. It's all of the carefulness that we put in from start to finish because all agriculturists, believe it or not, they do believe in these things. So it's not like we need to place all these regulations when you know, it's their lifestyle, and they're very careful in the way they do it. You know, um, I'm a U.S. Army and combat veteran. We've got a day for veterans, 
we have a day for veterans that were killed in the line of duty, and we have months for other groups of people. I think, personally, we need a national holiday that commemorates farmers and ranchers because it is a silent minority of people. You don't have time to be out there posting 10,000 things a day on social media. Um, the reason we're doing this show at 11 o'clock Central Standard Time, because you told me at 10 o'clock you're still rinsing off the cows in the barn. I mean, this is hard work that you do. You yourself got injured earlier this summer dealing with – I always tell people, go stand by a cow. And if you're not a little bit intimidated, there's something wrong with you. You're around them all the time. I honestly think we need a national holiday that commemorates farmers and ranchers. I wanted to know your thoughts. <laughs> well, I think that is a great idea, and I'm sure all farmers and ranchers would truly appreciate that because, you know, they don't get a day off, so I'm sure they would love that. And the ironic thing is you wouldn't be able to take that day off. That's the other thing that people don't understand. There is, there is no weekend on the farm. I mean, the, the, the cows need to be fed on Christmas Day and New Year's Day and Memorial Day and left-handed metric system day. All these days that people take off, there is no such thing. You're not, you're not building a product. You are raising a living organism with all the things that can go wrong and all the things that can go right. And I just, people really do not appreciate the work and the smarts and the intelligence and the science that put that hamburger on your table last night or over the weekend or on the 4th of July. Finally, I wanted to ask you, you know, you are obviously becoming a leader amongst your generation. I believe you're the president of your FFA chapter in beautiful Marion, Texas. From yes, your sir. perspective, as somebody who does this every single day of your life, what are a few things in your opinion that could be done right now to help farmers and ranchers? And you can't say rain because that's obvious. <laughs> Well, that one did come to mind, but I was actually just in Seguin a little while ago setting up some stalls, and there was pouring rain there. And, of course, yep. once I got in, about halfway to my house, it stopped immediately. So, you know, uh, that would be nice, but yes. it did, did get some. So, praise Jesus. Yeah, Absolutely. So what are some things that you think could be done right now that would, would help remove some of the barriers that farmers and ranchers face every single day? I think that one of the main things that many other factors could go off of is to simply support your local farmers and ranchers. And wherever you're tuning in from, I can assure you that there are local producers there that are willing to sell you a wholesome product for your family. And I think it also means more not only for the producer, but also to the consumer to buy from local farmers because you know that that product was flourished right there in your community. And then the producer also knows that all of the money, the time, and the effort spent on that crop has nourished the body in that community as well. So I think that's one of the big things that it's important. Our population, instead of turning away from things that you maybe don't understand, you can also look up Texas Farm Bureau is a great one. I know earlier you mentioned that we don't have time to post on social media, 
But actually, that's one of the things that we're going to have to start doing. And Texas Farm Bureau, I, I got the honor to talk to, the, talk to them at Advocacy Academy, which is through one of the programs, Texas Eats Livestock Ambassadors, that I'm a part of. And there is, you know, social media experts that create content so that the people who, you know, we all have phones, so we have to use these platforms as a way to get the word out and to teach the uneducated about what we do and why we do it. And so there are some places that do a phenomenal job of that, and I think it's important that we use our resources like that. So, you know, speak out some of that information and learn about what's going on, and maybe if you're confused about something, I'd be so happy to to teach you about those things and for many people. And also at the Advocacy Academy, we, we really learned that instead of just preaching to the choir, which sometimes we often do, um, those people who are in the ag industry already, instead of preaching to the choir or on the opposite end of the spectrum, those are so, those that are so turned against it that we know aren't going to change their perspective no matter what they see. They're going to find out, with, come up with something else to say. There is a huge happy medium. The people in the middle that don't have a decided preference, they, they aren't all in and they aren't all out on the ag industry. And those are the people that uh, me as an active agriculturalist need to focus on and to teach them because there is a huge yeah. gap in between those that are decided and aren't. And I hate to say it, but, you know, the decided factor, but that's just the truth, and that's reality. So the people who are in no, the middle, those the are the ones we need to educate, and, and that's what I'm really excited to do in my future. So, Well, I'm excited that you're doing it, too, and that you bring such a passion and such an intelligence and an eloquence to it. I had the privilege of speaking at your FFA banquet um, in May of yeah. 2023, and it's something I've just been thinking about that, you know, everyone talks about, yes, things are a little polarized right now in our country. That happens from time to time. It's cyclical. But I don't care who you voted for. I don't care what kind of beer you drink or don't drink. I don't care who you're married to or how you live your life. In the next 5 to 10 to 15 days, you're going to need to eat something. All right. If you ever want to vote again or if you ever want to post something negative about the agricultural industry again, that is incontrovertibly true. You have to be able to eat to survive, and it has really fired my passion for this industry as well. And I'm so glad there are young people like you and people in the FFA chapter. I know it stands for Future Farmers of America. I call it Food for All because we all need to eat. <laughs> I love and that. so, I love that. yes, well, I think that's the message that we just have to keep bringing up to people. Look, this is that we're not out here trying to separate ourselves from you, and we're not taking advantage of all of this land. We're cultivating it because whether you are a vegetarian or, like myself, a carnivore, we're growing all of that stuff. And there's something on your body or in your body right now that was raised or made on a farm. I'm wearing cotton socks, okay? I had a bacon, egg, and cheese biscuit this morning for breakfast, and I can't make any of that stuff here in the tastefully appointed studio at Eloquent Online. Before we let you go, Brooke, 
I know you spend so much time on the agricultural stuff. I've just got to ask, do you get a chance to do other fun stuff that, you know, young people your age uh, get to do? And if so, what kind of things do you enjoy doing in the limited amount of free time that you afford yourself? Yes, sir. I do have a little bit of fun here and there. The 4th of July, me and my family got together, and we went to my aunt and uncle's house and swam for about the whole day, so that was very fun. <laughs> and then we finished off the night with watching fireworks in Lavernia, and those are just amazing, breathtaking. They were like, right over us. We needed a, my mom said we needed to bring some chairs that leaned back so they would be just right over us. But um, that was a very fun time. And I also get to go to state convention for FFA uh, or Food for All. I really like that. Food for All. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I will be headed there this coming week, Monday I'll leave, and I actually get to serve as an ambassador there, a foundation ambassador. So I'll get to meet some big brands that sponsor the FFA and the convention itself. So I'll head to Dallas. I've also got a steer show this week here in Seguin, and oh gosh, I get to spend two weeks in Lubbock learning more about the pork industry. I am a Texas pork producer ambassador this year, youth ambassador, nice. so I'm super excited for that opportunity, and I get to get to really meet some more industry leaders uh, ahead of the pork industry, so super excited about that, and I've also spent some time traveling a bunch. This week was actually my only really time at home, but I really enjoyed it. <laughs> it's good to just sit back some but, you know, the school year, senior year, uh, it's embarking upon us fast, so it'll be here before we know it. It absolutely will, and I know you're very busy, so I appreciate you giving up 30 minutes of your day to talk to us. And uh, I know we're all keeping our fingers and toes crossed that your trip to Australia will also work out. And so if that happens, we'll definitely have to circle up with you and do another episode about that trip. And uh, we're all hoping that that occurs. As I mentioned earlier, um, someday you may call her the Agricultural Commissioner of the great state of Texas or Mrs. Governor. You just don't know this young lady, like I said, has got the skills to pay the bills. And it was an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Thank you so very kindly. Thank you so much, Jason. It's always a pleasure to talk Man. to you. And as much Just. as I'm, I'm happy Studio, studio audience jumped the gun there. I'm sorry, Brooke, you were saying. It's okay. I was just saying that as much as you think that I'm a great activist in agriculture, I think you are as well because we do need more people like you to, you know, if it's podcasts or it's news channels, people who portray the information just like you. I appreciate well, your we're, time. We're on the same team. We're on the same team when it comes to this. That's Thank you so, so very much, and we'll talk to you very soon. Yes, sir. Thank you. That is Brooke Reiniger from out in St. Hedwig, Texas, near Marion, Texas, a place that I've known all of my life. I am Texan-born and bred, and it's just been fascinating getting to know these young people in the FFA that are involved in agriculture. These are such well-spoken people. As a suburbanite who grew up in the suburbs, I really didn't know a lot about the FFA and all of the leadership programs and the professional speaking. As a professional speaker, I've just been absolutely wowed by the, the character and the, and the level 
of understanding these young people have for the industry for which they advocate. And so I'm going to keep advocating for it too, even though as a professional speaker, one of the words I could never say for years was advocacy and advocate. And so I'm getting much better at it. And the more I talk about it, the more people will hear about it. Like I said, we all have to eat. We all have clothes that we wear. Very few of us make that stuff at our homes and our apartments and wherever we may live. And so knowing that there's a next generation out there ready to do this makes me feel very, very good because, of course, I've been blessed all my life, you know, breakfast, lunch, and dinner in church on Sunday, and there's nothing wrong with living like that. Thank you so much for joining us on Ag Advocate Podcast, the Ag Advocate Podcast, the podcast that advocates for agriculturalists everywhere, because wherever you go, whoever you meet, you got to eat. Until next episode, my name is Jason Dye, and we'll talk to you soon. Living in town.